What does it take to find yourself in the pages of men's health? What does it take to find yourself working out with Arnold Schwarzenegger? What's up, Active Lifers? Welcome back to the Active Life Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sean Pastuch. My guest today is Ebenezer Samuel. He's the director of Fitness for Men's Health magazine, and he drops a wealth of knowledge on today's podcast about everything that you want to know from how to start exercising a little bit differently, how to think about learning from people who have done the things you're trying to do, all the way into how do you actually become a contributor to a magazine like Men's Health? What does it take to bring that kind of value? I know you're going to love this podcast. Please remember when you do, hedge wherever you're listening to it. Leave us that five-star rating, write a review, share it with a friend. Let's get you to the show. Ebenezer Samuel, welcome to the Active Life Podcast. Yes, I'm excited to be here. Dude, it's a trip to have you here. It really is. I, I've been I've been watching your stuff ever since we first connected maybe like seven, eight months ago on Instagram. And you, you always present professionally and thoroughly. It's always, here's the full thing you need to know. Not like, here's one tip and then come click my opt-in to get the rest. And I love <laughs> yeah. that. I appreciate it. Uh, dude, you just got done with what I imagine was one of the most thrilling and perhaps, and I'm curious, intimidating workouts of your life. It was a, it was a, it was a unique, it was probably one of the most thrilling moments of my life, mm-hmm. you know, after, but you know, wedding and birthdays for the wife and all that stuff, mm-hmm. notwithstanding. Um, oh, she knows, she knows. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was probably one of the most thrilling moments in my life. I very much grew up on, on Arnold Schwarzenegger, who is mm-hmm. our, our, um, our July, August issue cover for men's health. And, you know, grew up on Terminator. That's the guy, that's the reason I fitness in the first place. And I got to write the cover, got to train with him as part of that adventure. Um, and it was crazy just how it, it manifested. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a gold's gym in Venice. Um, we were waiting for him. We, you know, Arnold shows up after crew and after men's health and everything. Um, we were waiting for him. Didn't know if I was going to train with him. His, his, you know, he has an assistant, uh, awesome guy named Daniel Ketchell. Um, and catch literally walks up to me and he's like, he wants to train with you, jump in the workout. Um, just, I, you know, you don't need to ask me twice. I mean, technically, you know, I, I was, I wanted to make sure mm-hmm. like I heard it right. So I was like, he really wants to train with me. Right. I assume it's cause I was a writer. I don't, I didn't care though. I was in t- instantly into the workout. Um, it's wild because he's, he's 75. He still has that aura about him. There's that legendness to him. Um, he just works, he, he works a really simple circuit. It's all machines. Um, but just like I've trained on machines before and I've trained before, but just kind of being around him, the thing he hasn't lost, he's lost, you know, a little bit like what you would expect. He's 75. He's lost some strength. He's lost some muscle. He still goes hard, but he has not lost that ability to motivate and push you. Uh, late in the workout, we, we started with the shoulder circuit, finished with uh, bicep, tricep, superset, because, you know, you can't not blast arms with Donald Trump. <laughs> um, he stepped behind me when I was doing a set of preacher curls um, and literally guided me through the set. And, you know, it was just um, it was a surreal moment where it's it's less about the pump and the gains and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, okay, this is, this is, um, the guy who got me into lifting and he's telling me exactly what to do. And it was just, um, it was a blast. So people should definitely check out the cover. Um, probably one of the, the funnest stories to report. And then I just lifted with the guy and, um, and also write too, because there's so much, I mean, he has so much history trying to distill that into 2,500, 3,000 words. It was not easy. I could have written another 1,500 words, but that I don't think they were going to give me the pages. So <laughs> You write that for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I um I imagine one of the th- I'm not, I'm not going to imagine I'm going to ask you because I'm curious. Yeah, you're a really smart guy. You have a lot of education around this stuff. You know what you're doing. You don't need not that you don't want somebody to come help you do things better, but mm. you don't need someone to come up from behind you and be like squeeze a little bit more at the top. <laughs> so yeah, when when Arnold is coming to teach you something. How like how 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 easy was it for you to just turn your brain off on the things that you know and just say I'm going to pretend I know nothing and listen to everything Arnold Schwarzenegger tells me? It was it was it was it was challenging in some ways and refreshing in others. I think I went when you go into lift with the guy like that. I'm also a very control freak about my workout mm-hmm. too. I have a very specific way I want to do things. Um, very specific goals and I, and to be like if, if we ever train together and and I know you've had Don Saladino on the mm-hmm. podcast when I think the first time I trained with Don um you know he wants to obviously help and provide that and provide that guidance and I was like okay so I do this and this and this and it's this day and so this is obviously not that um but I think I went in because it's it's a chance to lift with train with the legend um, I think I went in with a little bit more of an open mind to start and I was willing to turn it, turn off my trainer mind and almost just be a little bit of a fanboy. Mm-hmm. I think I thought about it very much the day before. I think I might've actually talked to Don about it. Um, that, you know, it's like, I want to get a good workout, but I really just want to kind of be around him and, and soak it up. It's also interesting too, because the way he does things, um, is, is different. It's, it's very old school. I, I would consider myself a little bit more, I would probably you too, to some extent, like we come from that more, um, we have like a more sciencey take on fitness, mm-hmm. very different from, you know, the golden age of bodybuilding. I, I, I watched pumping iron the day before going to train with Arnold. And, you know, that's a bunch of guys who are, you know, ex- and this is not bad at all, but you know, they're put extreme full range of motion on everything, lifting incredibly heavy going until they can't do it mm-hmm. anymore. Um, and I've met so many bodybuilders just in, you know, I, I can't, I started training, um, in New York when I, when I, I went to a bodybuilding gym in the Bronx, all those guys who I trained with, like can't lift their shoulders over their, over right. their heads. Um, and so that's kind of, that's always been in the back of my mind with bodybuilding. Um, that's kind of the background that he comes from and the training style that he comes from. But I think the trainer side of my mind didn't completely turn off. And it was like, what can I learn from Arnold? Because and this is, I think, I'm, I try to be very um, data-driven with how I approach things. And, it, you know, the evidence is, is what you see, right? The reality is there is a ton that I can learn from this guy because in his golden era, he was, you know, the finest physique, right? So on some level, I can learn a bunch from that. And so I think there were there were little things that I took or refresher courses that he gave me um, that I absorbed a lot. And I think the two biggest things I absorbed from him that I kind of took is one, I need to lift with Don more, right? Like, um, why is that? Why I tend to, I tend to train by, by myself and it, because it's hard to find a good training partner. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Don is probably up in this area. Um, my list with Don are, are great and he's a great training partner. Right. Um, you know, I don't, it doesn't necessarily need to be him, but I need to, there is virtue and, Arnold and I talked about this afterwards. We actually went to lunch afterwards. It's supposed to be a half hour lunch. We wound up talking for like two hours. Nice. Um, yeah, exactly. Lunch with a legend, right? Can't yeah. go wrong with that. Um, but he ba- he basically said he always, once he got to 
California from Austria, he almost always had a training partner and you get a little push from that person. Mm-hmm. Um, when you train by yourself, you can go heavy, right? And I, I obviously like to push the load trying to build serious muscle and I can go heavy, but I can't really challenge myself to that next level that I could if I had the right training partner. And it's not, um, that doesn't necessarily mean just, Hey, let me go grab somebody to go give me a spot, but having like a nice continuous training partner who knows how I think, who can push me a little bit, who also knows when I shouldn't be pushed. I think there's a lot of virtue in that. And that's something that I guess I kind of remembered or walked away from the Arnold experience thinking about the other thing he is very big on is full, full range of motion. So it's all machines we're doing. Um, I feel like I definitely, in my normal training, I will incorporate a lot of partial reps, um, you know, let me work in the most challenging range of motion for a little bit longer. I play around with a lot of those pieces. Um, he is very much, the weight's got to touch, the, you know, you got to hear the stack touch on the bottom of every single rep, and let's go until the machine's not going to permit any more range of motion for you. And that's, a, that's very different from how I train. So it was a good it was a good refresher course in, in the virtues of that full range of motion. There are downsides to that too. It means I may not load as aggressively. It means that, you know, I have to be careful with certain things, but it was a good refresher course and just food for, for thought for when I got out of there. Um, just how am I going to incorporate that into my training? I think there's something when you're with a guy like that, there's always something you can learn. And so those are the two big, you know, gym style takeaways for me. What's interesting about that, the most interesting thing about the full range of motion on machines thing to me is they're so they're so paradoxical. Right? Right. Yeah. Full range of motion on the machine. Yeah. I'm like, well, why wouldn't we do free weight then? Isn't that a sick Yeah. But but you're right. It's it's this level of like, okay, I'm just gonna shut off what I think I know. Yeah. And I'm gonna let um the guy who created bodybuilding effectively teach me what to do. I'm just going to follow his lead today. Yeah. I think the other thing too is Arnold for, again, 75 years old, super like th- there was a time where for, for all of us on some level, for, I'm sure for 95% of trainers, we all came up, Oh, you know, I want to look like we were inspired by him on some level, mm-hmm. right? 75 years old. So I think the other thing I walked away with, or the other thing I walked away thinking is on some level for a lot of us trainers, for a lot of jacked guys in America period around the world period, that's our future, right? Um, so the alterations that he has made to his training may not necessarily be the ones that I'm going to make, you know, the 45 years down the road, but the alterations he's made to his training are things that, that I'm going to need to think about at some point. I think that for me, I've definitely, I'm, I'm very stubborn. I feel like I, I feel like Don Saladino is probably the same way, right? A lot of, I think, us who are trainers and very into fitness, we're like, you know, I'm going to look, I'm going to work my body into being an Adonis and I'm never going to lose that. That's like (laughs) forever. I'm going to die that way. Um, And so it was interesting from uh, just seeing the mental shift for the guy who was arguably the ultimate Adonis, right? Um, To, I remember I asked him, why do you train now? Um, And you can tell a little bit that, you know, he, he, he is very cognizant of the fact that he is not the same, the same physical force he was. Um, but he also loves training and he, he basically said, you know, I train because at this point I want to be able to move. And so I am kind of curious just in the long term for myself and for a lot of us who are very passionate about fitness, we're a different generation that's absorbed fitness in a different way. And I think, 
in some ways learned to be a little bit careful. We've learned to, to, to cross train, to, to experiment with different modalities. Um, I am very curious and interested to see how I'm going to adjust when that time comes. And I think, you know, 75 year old me, there is going to come a time where a lot of us are going to have to step it back. And for 75 year old me, when that moment comes, I think there's a, a relative almost peace of mind that, you know, at the greatest ever was kind of able to make peace with the fact that he couldn't be that anymore and step back and do a bunch of machines and be okay with that. So if I'm 75 and I can't, you know, deadlift 500 pounds, I'm, I, I can, I can, I'm okay. I'm okay. Right. You don't need, to, you don't need to die with tight skin around your abs. Exactly. Is that what you're saying? Well, I mean, I, I would like to, yeah. I would like to, but <laughs> exactly. That's exactly it. Well, yeah. you know, um, I recommend for anyone who's an entrepreneur, yeah. I recommend to them watching Pumping Iron. It's not like they're like, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you should watch Pumping Iron. Yeah. <clears throat> but when they talk about like documentaries, what do you like? To, like, what, where have you learned from? Pumping Iron is not a documentary about a guy building a body. It's about a guy building a brand and not on purpose. Yeah. <clears throat> right. It's, it's all about like, these are my beliefs. <clears throat> and these beliefs are so strong. I would miss my father's funeral for them. Yeah. Right. Like it's, that that's a movie that I think I would, I would follow his workout lead yeah. if I thought everything he was saying was wrong just to glean some of what I think is in his brain about life. Yeah. Right. Uh, I had a, uh, a, a martial arts instructor one time who was like, I think he was 80 something years old, 80, 82 or so. And he would have me bouncing into my stretches Hmm. I'm like, I know this is bad for me, but I'm going to yeah. do it anyway. Like I, maybe there's something that I don't know and I'm going to just listen to this guy. And it's, it's such an interesting conversation in my head while I was doing that. And I imagine yeah. uh, that's, that's why I asked that question. Cause you're sitting with the legend. Yeah. You, you are the fitness editor for men's health. You clearly know what you're doing. It's, it's director. I'm sorry. The fitness director for <laughs> men's health. Yeah. Um, and yeah, y- you got to turn it all off. Yeah, it's but it, and it's I feel like when you get around when when you go into somebody else's gym situation, it is good to try to even, you know, your martial arts instructor, we kind of know, you know, bouncing and stretches like you said is not ideal, but I always try to even if I'm not even if I am highly critiquing whatever <laughs> some whatever trainer X is suggesting I do, I'll kind of go with it and then see where it, where it takes my body cuz maybe I learned something new. Mm-hmm. Or maybe maybe I had like a mis- maybe I I had walked away from a concept for very good reasons four years ago, but it's worth trying now. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there's I f- I find it fun to kind of experiment with that stuff sometimes and just experiment with other ideas to see where it leads. So yeah. <clears throat> I recently interviewed with uh, Mark Bell. I'm sure you're familiar with who Mark Bell yeah. is, and he was recently talking about the idea that the nutrition industry hasn't done anything for us hmm. since it started. Like it's, we're still supposed to eat food. Yeah. <laughs> nothing, nothing seems to have changed. And I, I think there's a lot there also for the fitness industry hmm. in that, yeah, we can change how we do things right now, but there's no, there's objectivity that the guys Arnold was working out with who were in his era were physically fit, physically, depending on your definition of fitness, right? But they were aesthetically fit for sure. And that's what a lot of people train for. So now one of the things that I see as being part of the problem that we're running into is 
people looking to parse that hair so finely that it seems like mm. if you just go for a walk, well, where, were you breathing through your nose? Was your mouth taped shut? Yeah. Were, what, was your, what was your step cadence? How far were your strides? <laughs> like, dude, just go for a walk. It's yeah. not that complicated. So what I want to hear from you, because I think you're probably as well tapped into the fitness industry as anybody in the world is what's going well. What are we doing well as an industry right now? What are we doing well? I think the the thing we're doing well, and it's not just, I think it's not just the fitness industry. It's partly because of, of Arnold. It's a little bit because of COVID, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot because of social media, both the good and bad. I think what we've done incredibly well over the last probably two to three years is there's a ton, we've created a ton of excitement for fitness and a lot of new entry points i think there was there was a time you know probably like and my wife is actually a really good example but i can't <laughs> let's let's edit that part out no, but, um there, there was a but we're not going to talk about that but there was a time i think you know 10 to 15 years ago right where you know if you wanted to there, there was you know fit guys go to the gym right you go to the gym because you want to build muscle um or you want to lose weight or you or for a very specific reason and you're going to go to kind of some box. It feels inaccessible. It feels daunting. And so a lot of a lot of regular people just if you weren't a fitness enthusiast, you weren't you weren't going to do it, or you you were going to do it, but you, you were going to achieve your thing, and then you were going to be done. Right? I think what's changed is now people are more excited about fitness, and they're more aware of of what fitness does beyond helping them lose weight or helping them build muscle. The fact that being fit to some extent, if we're getting that regular activity is going to help us live longer. It's going to make us healthier. You know, there was a, there was a little bit of talk, you know, during COVID of if you're, if you're healthier, if you have a level of fitness that that can help you, you know, get through this. And I think all of that, our health and wellness is a little bit more front and centered because you have that side of it. And then you have this other side where, you know, people are more excited about fitness because of all the nonsense. The reality is that they see on Instagram, the guy who does, you know, 25 backflips into a Superman pushup. It's not accessible at all, but it gets people really, really excited because, you know, that guy is not Arnold Schwarzenegger. That guy is, you know, some random guy on Instagram who has, you know, a bunch of followers, but he comes across as, you know, our whole relationship with with social media, I think opens the door for us to see some of those guys or even see somebody like me or somebody like Don Saladino on Instagram. It's like those guys are really strong. I can do that. I should be doing that. Um, I, in particular, work really, really hard to make my stuff on some level accessible. That way, you know, the 45-year-old dad who, you know, 20 years ago is just a 45-year-old dad and he thinks it's done. And that chapter is over, but I'm hoping the 45 year old dad from my content will get, Oh, you know, I can try that biceps workout, not necessarily with the weight he's doing, but I can try it and get something out of it. And maybe I can recapture my body. And so I think we've done a really, really great job in the industry of creating excitement. You've got other entry points too, right? Because now you can go to a gym. Now you can, you know, consume all that content on Instagram. And then, you know, whatever we think of it, you know, Peloton, Hydro, this whole era of connected fitness devices opens the door granted there's a high price to entry into Mm -hmm. that world but it opens the door for somebody who is super shy doesn't want to go to the gym um does want to get fit wants to try to learn how to do this in the privacy of their own home it brings the fitness to them and you know 
I won't, I won't say necessarily doesn't leave them with excuses, you know, cause we can turn our Peloton into, you know, a coat rack, mm-hmm. but it makes it super convenient and it opens up a different audience. I think when we started bringing technology into fitness, that also made fitness a little bit cool because, you know, I, a lot of people don't necessarily care about, you know, how much they can bench press, but if you can give them, you know, uh, an Apple watch to play with that also happens to track their steps, suddenly the steps are a part of their equation in their life too. It's really interesting. It's you're coming at something that I, I look, I've looked at until you talked about it that way, very differently, right? Mm. I look at the guy who's doing 25 backflips into a push up, and I'm like, you're not helping anybody. Mm. But I never considered it in a way that like people will look at that and say, that's really cool. What would the first step be? And that's, yeah. And that's, um, that's something I'm very, so I tend to, I try to look at, and it may be because I come from a combination that I have a very heavy media background. Obviously that's my, that was my first degree. Well, my second degree after an accounting degree that we're not going to talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) and and then I have, I have a very high passion for fitness and obviously I held that fitness education as well. But the media background, what I try to do is look at all content as kind of one great big, you know, for us, we look at individual posts, right? Or we look at individual trainers, you know, individual, individual kind of fitness ideas, right? But I think for the average person who's just surfing, scrolling on Instagram, it's all kind of one big giant ball of fitness content. Right. Mm -hmm. And to me on some level, I kind of went back and forth on it, on it too, very early in my, in my career at men's health, because I also look at the guy doing 75 backflips into a pushup and I'm like, that's not helping anybody. You're going to hurt somebody. Mm -hmm. But I think what I've learned to do is, is view that that's a gateway to hopefully get them to me. Right. And on some level it's, it's my responsibility as kind of like, both as the fitness director for men's health and as um as also a creator of content in general to be able to see that exciting thing that is capturing everybody and it's, sometimes it's going to be a backflip sometimes it's going to be a superman push-up sometimes it's going to be i don't know if you remember the one like three or four years ago where it's like they had to step over an invisible box sometimes it'll be no. something it, it's a crazy I think it was it was pre TikTok, so it was an Instagram challenge. You had to step over. We'll try it after this. Okay. Um, but you had to step over an invisible box, and that was actually my first lesson at Men's Health because they really wanted to cover this idea of it's a person who you take like a little step and then you step over a box and you have to be able to do it. And there's, I still don't completely understand the mechanics of it, and I'm probably explaining it completely incorrectly. No, I'm, I'm th- it's it's you're supposed to. Create the body mechanics as if the box was actually there, but the box isn't there. So when you shoot yeah. the video, it looks like you stepped on a box, but the box isn't, was never there. Exactly. So they were like, well, let's put something together on it. I'm like, this is dumb. How do I, how do I extend my knee too much? Exactly. <laughs> but the thing I've kind of realized from that is that all those situations provide an opportunity for me to teach something beyond this is dumb. People have heard enough about you know, this is dumb, right? They've also heard, they've, they understand the basics. So the basics, what we need people to, you know, push, we need them to deadlift. They've done all these things or they're familiar with these things. And a lot of times there's a barrier to entry because of that, because they have very bad experience. They had a very bad experience in fifth grade where they couldn't do push ups, Right. And it was embarrassing for them and they want nothing to do with mm-hmm. that. But if, if, so they're not excited to do the things we need them to do. 
until we can show them that by doing the things I, we need them to do as trainers by laying that fundamental base, you might be able to do the backflips or you might be able to do the Superman pushups. Suddenly they feel a little, they have a little bit more purpose to it and it's, it doesn't feel as, as connected to whatever bad experience they might've had when they were younger. Yeah. It can start to feel like play. Exactly. You know, it, it's interesting how you describe that because uh, I went the other way. Hmm. You know, when I was in, I think it was maybe third or fourth grade, hmm. I couldn't do a pull-up. Hmm. Okay. And I fancied myself a good athlete. Yeah. Uh, looking back now, I, I, I have a daughter who's eight and recently asked, how come I'm so fast at home, but not at school? Hmm. And I'm like, well, yeah, okay. That, that. <laughs> uh, and you know, like I, I was a late bloomer in everything athletic. Like I was the slowest. I, my, my nicknames were swivel hips, crazy legs when I was until 10th grade. And then I became fast all of a sudden, but I couldn't do a pull up in like third or fourth grade. And Sam Gilman, hmm. who was a girl who did gymnastics could just bang them out. Hmm. And it was embarrassing that I couldn't do one, but I went the other way. Yeah. I was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to get a pull up. I'm going to get a lot of pull-ups. Uh, and I, you know, it's, it's just so funny. Cause I, I, I don't think like, like that. I think like the person who sees that and like, I can't do that. So I'm just not going to start. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm very much my, my issue was, was pushups mm -hmm. partly cause I didn't, for a variety of reasons, I didn't really comprehend that pull-ups existed as something I should figure out. Mm -hmm. But my issue, my issue was pushups. And I spent a long time, probably the first, I feel like, to me, one of the things I love as kind of a trainer and I love about the, the wave of new of new exercises, and most of them are not very useful. Right. But these, or new. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That too. <laughs> um, but one thing I love about kind of the new, the new crazy exercises is every so often you'll see something and you'll, you know, you'll, you'll be like, there's, there's a use for that. Not necessarily a, it's not essential for anybody to do, but I can see the practicality of that, I can see, you know, what is, and so I think for, from a trainer standpoint, when you bump into, especially, I feel like they're almost always bodyweight moves. When you bump into those intriguing bodyweight moves that kind of serve a purpose, but aren't essential to fitness, but you kind of want to do it in my case, because yeah, I, I want a viral Instagram post every mm -hmm. so often too. It's, it's problem solving, right? It's what, what can I take about what I know about the body what I know about physics, what I know about my own strength, and figure out how to execute the archer push-up or the Superman push-up. And especially when you come to it with a trainer mindset, I think you wind up, um, you almost wind up finding, you, under, you, you find maybe a little bit of benefit in the move, and it's a fun little adventure. And mm -hmm. my first adventure in fitness ever was the push-up because I couldn't do it, right? And I... I'm coming up again, watching Arnold in Commando. Right? <laughs> he could definitely and, do a push-up. And watching, I think I remember the the one that got me feeling really, really bad about like twelve year old me feeling really bad about myself was the first time I watched Rocky, and he's doing one arm push-ups, mm -hmm. and I'm like, I can't even, I can't do. Why can't I do these with two arms? They can't be that hard, right? Because um, he went through puberty. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, me I remember, I remember trying to, I, you know, again, you're, you're. 12, 13 years old. So I'm like, I'm just going to skip ahead and try to do the one arm pushups. And then I, you know, um, <laughs> but you know, and I, what I wound up doing is, is learning how to do pushups on my knees. And then I did single arm pushups on my knees. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, 
and then eventually, and single arm push-ups on your knees are a complete waste of time, especially the way 12-year-old me was doing them. But eventually, I was able to, fi- I f- eventually, I figured out actually the same way that I teach people to do push-ups now, which is if I put my hands on, you know, a box or a chair, it's kind of the same motion. And 12-year-old, 13-year-old me was starting to figure that stuff out. And as I make it lower and lower and lower, it gets harder and harder and harder. So I'm just going to keep doing that, and eventually I'll have a push-up. By the time I was 16, 17, which probably took too long, but new trainer. Mm-hmm. So by the time I was 16, 17, I had, I had a, a push-up down. And I was very, very proud of that accomplishment. But at the same time, I understand. I think we need to understand that so many people aren't going to be like us, and they're going to quit earlier in the journey, especially now, because you and I are, you know, we're, we're obviously not 15 and mm-hmm. the 15 year old has so many other pieces of, of media from TikTok to Instagram, to their Nintendo switch, to Twitch, all these other things to, to the chores they have to do that they're never going to do. They have all these other things that are going to pull them away. If the push up, if their attempt at a push up doesn't work in two weeks. Right. It's almost like the, the need to create something else that's cool. That's doable for someone who can't do the push up yet so that they end up getting, how do we trick them? Yeah. That this is the cool thing, not the push up, and then progress them to doing the push up over time. What, what I'm finding, what, what I'm hearing you say a lot of, and I'm curious if you, if you're, uh, if you feel this way also <clears throat> is a lot of the education that's online for fitness that that's coming from you, that's coming from a Don that's coming from a Ben Bruno from, from anybody really um, is I feel like it's the stuff that draws the person back in hmm. or it's the stuff that draws the person who's young and looking for how to start mm-hmm. young, looking for how to start in. What I'm curious about is whether you think that stuff um gets people off the couch who have never been a part of this lifestyle before the person who maybe put wealth over health for the last 30, 40 years, the person who didn't get the push up when they were in elementary school and said, forget about it. And then never did it for the next 30 years. And now all of a sudden they're in the category of 60 plus percent of Americans who are overweight. Do you think that, do you think that content gets them do you think they're seeing it do you think they're interested in it and if not what do you think we need to do to get them anecdotally i think i think it i think it is getting them and that's that's partly because that's partly because probably like every other week i have somebody walk up to me and they're like hey you know your videos got me back into fitness which is not to pump me up and i don't think it's just me if it's happening to me it's happening to you know a thousand other trainer types right so i think it i think it is it is helping. Um, I don't think it's. I don't think it's obviously the only solution, but I think it works for a lot of people because I think they want something to be excited about. Mm-hmm. We can give them that, and so I think it is. I think it is relatively working. I think we can do better things though, because once you, we can do better things after we kind of grab their attention instantly. Because once you have their attention, they have to feel like they can. They can do something actionable. Um, and I think we can be a little bit sharper about that as a profession overall, because it's like, okay, I saw the Superman push up. How do I do that? Why does it matter? How, where do I start? Like I can't even do a plank. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I think we still have a little bit of work to, to figure that out. But I think, I think a lot of, one of the tricks for fitness in general is a lot of the themes we need, you know, we, we need to get like 
the basics haven't changed in terms of what gets you fit, what gets you strong, what's going to get you healthy. Um, and because of that, it's like, but people have heard all that on some level and, you know, they've done, they've also not achieved things and they've not achieved their goals very often. And it's not necessarily the fault of the tool. It's because of their execution. And, you know, I think of, you know, guys who want big arms going in and doing biceps curls and, you know, they saw me doing biceps curls or they saw, you know, Arnold doing biceps curls. Or, or me. I mean, you. <laughs> they might have seen me doing them. <laughs> True. <laughs> you laughed at me. Um, no, that, <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm joking. Like, I'm joking. They didn't see um, me doing them. But, you know, they, 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 like you, you, you pick the guy with the biceps curl and they see, um, you know, they, they saw somebody doing it. They think they're doing it right. They, they pick up the idea of, well, the weight's got to get to my chest, right? But their version of the weight getting to their chest involves their hips rocking all over the place. And so in order to get it to that point, mm-hmm. and they're not taking advantage of the negative and so, because they don't understand those pieces, right? And I think our challenge in fitness is to, is to, is to, what I try to do, and that's why I'm very big on, you know, if you take the biceps curl, I'll just keep carrying the biceps curl thing because Arnold spotted me on it. We're just going to yeah, use this. It's, it's thing. yours forever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but if you take if you take the biceps curl, you know, that's why I like to try to get people to pause in the middle of the rep because in general, anecdotally, when I've done that with clients and when I've also, you know, both in person and my virtual clients, it kind of helps their when they have to pause mid rep. It forces them to be a little bit stricter with their form, and then they start to feel what I need to get them to feel. Right? I could give them a lecture on time under tension. I could give them a lecture on why you shouldn't kip. I could give them a lecture on all those things. Right? Why an exercise isn't point A to point B. If I can find creative and useful ways to help them feel it, because that on some level is what I need them to do, especially with the biceps curl. Um, then I'm then I'm winning, and that's where I feel like we have a gap right now between um, that super exciting content, and then we obviously need them to start at the beginning, but making the beginning feel just interesting enough and just satisfying enough in that they're accomplishing something um, that they feel like just satisfied enough that they they do feel like they're accomplishing something. Yeah, um, is it okay if I push you on that? You can. Um, your words were interesting. Yeah. You said when people come to you, they say, hey, you inspired me to get back into fitness. Yeah. That's the person I think it's speaking to really well. The one who yeah. was in fitness, True. who left for whatever reason, mm-hmm. who now is coming back. And I think that's incredibly important because mm-hmm. it's almost like if, if we already have it, yeah, let's work on preserving what we have before we start talking about like how do how do we grow it if we're if the fitness industry is churning people out of it mm-hmm. and we're just trying to fill it with new people then it's like filling a leaky bucket with new water it's just going to leak out the bottom anyway we need to keep those people in so i think that's extremely important work and then <clears throat> i go back I, I was tying that in my head as you were talking back to uh when you were talking about working out with Don. And how mm-hmm. you're a control freak about your workouts. And yeah. what was interesting about that to me is he sat here and talked about trying to get you to come work out with him. <clears throat> he know, did? Yeah. I, I didn't. Yeah. Okay. I so, got to rewatch. So he yeah. talked about trying to get you to come work out with him. He's like, I, I want to work out with Ebenezer. He's like, I want, I want to train with him. I want to bring him out. Mm-hmm. And he talked about how long it took him to get you to come train with him. And yeah. now I'm hearing something that maybe he didn't know, <clears throat> which is that you're a control freak about the way that you train 
and you don't necessarily want to go out and train the way that Don trains with him. Maybe I'm, 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 I'm making, don't start stuff. I'm not starting (laughs) starting stuff. Um, but I'm hearing now also it's the number of touch points, right? Because you, you, by hearing and seeing him over and over again, knowing he's credible, knowing he's not trying to get something from you, uh, it makes it safer to say, okay, I'll, I'm in the area. I'll, I'll come, come through. What's the big deal? What's the worst that happens? And you putting this stuff out over and over and over again brings the person who may have either left or be on their way out of the fitness industry because they're like, what am I doing? Yeah. I don't even know why I come to the gym anymore to stick around and to be inspired by it all over again because they heard it at the right time in the right way when the opportunity was appropriate for them. Right? Yeah. What I think would be a fascinating, uh, we'll call it a study, but it ends in an article for men's, <laughs> for, for men's health. Uh, would be to to walk the streets of New York City to ask people, hey, have you gone to a gym in the last 20 years consecutively for a month or more? Hmm. And to ask all of the people who say, yes, but I stopped going or no, and I never went, why not? Hmm. I think because I did that here. Yeah. I did it and because when we were opening up our flagship location down the block, I was like, well – our target client is the person who is in every gym's canceled folder hmm. or feels like that's unapproachable for them. So I want to know why people are in the canceled folder when they can tell me the truth because I'm not the person they stopped paying. Hmm. The number one reason people told me they stopped going to the gym, number one, this was this blew my mind. And I interviewed over 100 people. They, they were uncomfortable. They didn't want to be in someone else's way. Hmm. That blew my mind. Yeah. It never occurred to me I might be in somebody's way in the mm. gym. But I, I'd be so curious to see men's health do something like that at scale with the number of people you guys could reach by just saying, hey, I have a, you know, can I ask you five questions? I'm writing an article for men's health. I think they, it would be so cool. It is, it is fascinating. But I think that is the old school gym mentality. Right? And, and that's, that now there are more gym etiquette posts mm-hmm. out there. Um, so I spend way too much time on social media. Mm-hmm. If, if I, well, it's your job. Yeah, true. If I spent less time, I'd be more jacked, right? Mm-hmm. If I, if, but now there are, there are, I think that's the gym etiquette thing, and that's some of the wrestling match of, you know, the gyms I was going into, you know, 15, 20 years ago. I remember being really, really scared the first time. I, the only gym in – I lived in – Allentown, Pennsylvania. I know Allentown. You do? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sands Bethlehem is right down the block from there. And I went there one time to hang out with a friend. Yeah. Awesome. Once. (laughs) Yeah. One time. Um, So I live about 25 minutes from there. Small town. um, Had one gym. Right. And it was kind of known as a bodybuilder gym. Those are the places where people, you know, it was a bodybuilder gym or it was your high school gym where all the football players are Mm -hmm. training. And they all have something specific to do. And Mm -hmm. I remember being there and walking into that bodybuilding gym. It's like a $5 day pass. Remember that? That Mm -hmm. was amazing. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I walked in and I was like, I was like, what do I do? Where do I go? You know, everybody's on a machine, everybody's doing multiple sets and then they're resting and it can feel, you know, I can imagine for somebody now, like, especially if you ever watch my content, if you know, you all should, but if, if you watch my content, I like to do when I'm in the gym, I like to superset, triset, stuff like that, Mm -hmm. which takes up three machines and can be really annoying, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to do it anyway, but, um, I could see where somebody walks in and they feel like, you know, they're in the way or they feel uncomfortable, you know, I've, I've had people in my, like very close to me who were, 
you know, a little bit uncomfortable like that. So I, I do understand it because that is that old gym template. And I feel like we're all, you know, the gyms themselves, um, group fitness studios, um, even, you know, Arnold again, telling me like, go find yourself a, a training partner, mm-hmm. right? We're all trying to shift that, that mentality or shift the, the conversation and the way it's perceived from, Hey, one person, you're one person in the gym and you're in everybody's way over to an idea of, of community. Mm-hmm. I am not the hugest CrossFit fan in the world for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't, we may go there. We may not. Um, but um, the one thing I feel like CrossFit has done really, really well is create a sense of community um, and make make the fitness experience feel really, really inviting for the people, for, for their audience, for regular people. And that's why I think when I when I used to, I used to go to a lot of CrossFit gyms pre-pandemic, um, and you would see newcomers there because they make people, they have a way of making people feel welcome. Mm-hmm. Man, that's a that's a rabbit hole. <laughs> I'm deciding if I want to jump down it. We can jump down it for a moment because mm-hmm. I think I think you're right in in yeah. some ways. I think, I've owned three CrossFit gyms, mm-hmm. and that's where a lot of my um, my experience in fitness started off in a world's gym. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it was bodybuilders. It yeah. was, um, it was learning how to clean mirrors with newspaper. Because mm-hmm. if you clean mirrors with a towel, you leave lint. If you clean it with a newspaper, some of that black ink comes off and actually shines the mirror even better. Mm-hmm. I, I started learning that there. I started learning how to take dumbbell, like the key dumbbells. Remember the dumbbells back in the day that had like an Allen key at the end? Oh, God. Yeah. So, yeah. But those are the ones, like you see them in the Ronnie Coleman documentary, right? Yeah. That's what we had there. So I was learning how to take those things apart, put the stuff, like clean out the, the, the dust that would be inside, re-oil, put it back in, spin it all around. That's where I learned. I left that gym when the owner set me up to sell a bag of steroids Hmm. to a member. I didn't know it. The guy comes up. He's like, hey, I need a gym bag. I'm like, we don't sell gym bags. Hmm. He's like, you do. There's a gym bag for me under the front desk. I'm like, there's a gym bag under there. That's that's strange. (laughs) So I pull it out and he just gave me 700 something dollars. And he's like, you know, no change. I'm like, oh, I know what I just did. I'm not going to work here anymore. Like that's, yeah. I don't need that to be an undercover cop next time. So <clears throat> that was where I got my start. Then I moved into Equinox where I learned the business. The, like that is a business. Yeah. Top to bottom business. Uh, and then I opened CrossFit gyms because I was like, you know what? This is, this is more approachable for me from a business owner perspective. I don't need $25 million to start. And that's what I think like the Equinox I was working in cost just to open. Like, so this is, this is something I can do. The community vibe there is such that, at least from my experience, if you're comfortable walking in and being there, the community is fantastic in that gym. Not necessarily gym to gym, but in that gym. It is, however, really difficult for people who don't have a level of confidence around the way that their body works to walk in in the first place. And I see them trying as an entity, CrossFit, and I think this is, it's not about CrossFit, it's about fitness in general, trying to make their marketing content suggest this is a fit for everybody. The everyday person, look, here's an ad about, and here's here's a video about a 92-year-old grandma. Here's a video about a 78-year-old with Parkinson's. Both of them do CrossFit. But then, if we go to the gym level and I say to the gym owner, would you like a full roster of 92 year old grandmas. They're like, no, 
How about 78-year-olds with Parkinson's? No. Hey, do you know what Parkinson's is? It's that shaky disease, right? Yeah. Mm. Do you know what that means for their fitness? No. So it's like it's it's this juxtaposition of they're doing, in my opinion, some really cool stuff, trying to make fitness approachable for everybody, building a community once you're inside of the gym. But the owners of those businesses and the coach in those businesses are faced with the reality that those people typically don't walk in and they don't actually want those people. But now they're being told that's where the virtue is. Do you follow? Yeah. And like listening to you talk about that, I think it, it there was a you know midway through you said, you know, it's not just a problem CrossFit gyms are facing. It's, mm-hmm. it's fitness in general. And it is kind of, I almost feel like it is, it is, um, I'm thinking out loud a little bit on this sure. because it's kind of getting a bunch of mouse wheels turning and they're really rusty right now. Mm-hmm. But, um, I'm proud to have been the guy who started them back up. <laughs> I th- I think it is the riddle of, um, of how do we get, how do we get the super fit guy? Because I, some of that is also what's intimidating about CrossFit. Mm-hmm. Like those guys are the, the top, level of of any crossfit gym let alone crossfit period is usually a bunch of guys with six-pack abs and you know 25 muscle ups in a row and their shirts are off yeah exactly that um mm-hmm. which you know I, yeah it's like some people love doing that that's why i got people... into it that's why I, getting our marketing strategy yeah. at the first location was get a place with a picture window and everybody yeah. take your shirts off yeah and it worked Exactly. And so I think the riddle, the riddle of fitness has always been, how do you, how do we find a way for, you know, the, the newcomer, um, slightly overweight mother of four, um, to coexist in the same workout environment, if not even, and, and possibly even the same workout as the, um, you know, the super fit mm-hmm. guy with the, with the six pack and, and, 12 biceps it's and i don't honestly know the answer to that i, I think don't know we're that, trying i don't know that they do i think i yeah. think i think that the more that we try to do it the more that we actually make a, a wedge and I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll share why um if i'm bringing a 65 year old into train hmm. the things i'm going to assess prior to developing a program are different than a 35 year old then a 25-year-old. For example, the, the, the reason I chose 65 is because uh, there's something very clearly that they need that, generally speaking, we don't need to look for in 25 to 35, even 40-year-old people. And that is foot speed. What is your foot speed? What is your mm. ability to correct your mechanics if you're about to fall so that you catch yourself with your feet instead of your face? Mm. Because when a 65-year-old, 70-year-old falls, the implications are far more severe than they are for a 25 to 35-year-old. And foot speed is actually the thing that is most predictable to reduce their likelihood of falling. And so if we put that person into a CrossFit class or into a bodybuilding circuit or into a Les Mills class, and the goal is squat stamina or squat strength, that person does not actually need that as much as they need foot speed. And then we can start to develop the squat stamina, the squat strength. And I think that the more that we try to jam these people into the same thing at the same time and say, this is for everybody, the more that we make it obvious for the people for whom it's not a fit, we don't understand them. And it's funny because I, I, so I, um, one of the things I do in addition to fitness is I used to, and I still do every, because we, we work some fitness and tech entwined so much. Mm -hmm. And a lot of tech companies would ask me, you know, who like, about their apps or about their smartwatch. 
and in general, I would always start with the question of, of who is it, who is this for? Mm-hmm. And because I, I, it's funny cause my mind thinks in that same specificity, it is about, you're right, different experiences. I think the business of fitness is where things get messed up mm-hmm. at, at, because it's the same as the business of tech. When I ask people, who is your app for? Who is your smartwatch for? Who is, if I, even if I go into certain gyms, right? Who is this gym experience for? They'll be like everybody. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, no, no, you're, you're, you're that spin thing. I'm sorry. It's just not for me. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so it's not, it's, it's already not for everybody. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason a lot of people want to say everybody and try to, and it's wild because then you ain't, you try to aim your, your product, whether your, your fitness product at everybody and you're aiming at nobody. Yep. Um, however, you feel like you can, if you, aim at everybody, you can eventually have a much grander scale and make more money, right? So money is the root of all evil. That's what it is. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Yeah. We just nailed it. Um, well, you know, I, I, I agree with you on on all of that except the sarcastic thing you said at the end, which I don't think you believe no. either. Um, <laughs> but but the... Yeah, delete that out too. No, it's, it's good. Yeah. Um, when, I, when I think about this kind of stuff, when I think about, you know, who's the target audience, all that, what I see is... The person, like for me, I built a business down the block from here that would not be the primary place I would want to train. Hmm. Right? It's If I was looking for a place that I was going to be pumped up to show up at every day, it's not that. Frankly, it's the bodybuilding gym that I used to train at when I was 25 years old because I want to, or 21 years old, because I want to feel that way again. I want to, I want to, oftentimes I want to be surrounded by guys who are just gorillas bigger than me walking around (laughs) who I'm like, damn, if I jump on that peck deck right now, I might get in that guy's way. I like that little bit of tension for me when I'm training. And I do like having the training partner who's like, let's go three more reps. No, you got three more. I do like that. And I didn't build a place for that because I think there are already plenty of places for that. But when you talk about who's it a fit for? I think that's so, that's so crucial for business owners to start thinking about trainers to start thinking about even in their own personal training business. So I'll, I'll share something that I recently saw that I'm curious your take on. I saw an article on LinkedIn that was the seven reasons why buying high end strength equipment is the best, Hmm. you know, revenue lever for your, your big box gym. And I, I normally I wouldn't read it because hmm. I'm like, that's bullshit. But I recently spoke at an event where there were about 50 big box gym owners who represented over 200 locations. And the thing that they are, they're ready in two seconds to drop a million dollars, half a million dollars on was it G9. Is that the, there's some. Is that the new like German brand? Yes. Yeah. yeah. They're ready to drop half a million to a million dollars on that equipment. But you ask them, do you want to develop the acumen of your training department? And they're like, no, like, we're not, we're not doing that. Hmm. I'm like, that costs you less than $100,000 a year. Hmm. And it has a lever on it. I'm curious where you think that comes from. What do you mean? The, the idea that, like, we need to buy more machines, but we're not going to invest in our people. I, hmm. That is a tough one. I don't know. I think it's I think it's a little bit cuz those are big box gyms, mm-hmm. right? And big box gyms, I think in general just don't 
the philosophy of the big box gym, the trainer is kind of just an ancillary piece of everything. Mm -hmm. And I think it just, I think the big box gym, and again, this is, this is the case for the CrossFit style gym. Cause I feel like CrossFit gyms to the equipment is very standard ish. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think they spend a little bit, you know, their programming and, and the trainer is a little bit more important in that context. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of interesting to juxtapose the two ideas because I think, I think, and, and that's why, as I said, I think there's a sense, like, and again, it's not a perfect sense of community in CrossFit gyms, but it is a sense of community. For sure. Right? I think when the big box gym, the, the general philosophy around the big box gym is the exact same or still relatively the same. We're trying to change it, I think over time, mm -hmm. but the the general philosophy of the big box gym remains the same as it was 15 20 years ago and it's a gym for people who are already relatively who who are already relatively invested in fitness it is not a gym for for the newcomer mm -hmm. and so i think that's what because the people who are already invested in fitness and i don't know if it was like i'm guessing it was the same for you given that you say you kind of missed the world gym mm -hmm. atmosphere i remember when the first gym i moved in i when i first moved to the bronx the first gym i was going to they kind of wanted to be, are you, you, you know, Beth Francis Powerhouse. Yeah, of course. Right? It's yeah, exactly. Most amazing gym ever. So much equipment. It's right. like, there isn't a square foot of floor to be on if you're not lifting yeah, weight. Exactly. You can spend six hours in there and not have done a mm -hmm. set on every machine. Um, this gym was called Star Fitness. They actually very recently closed down. Um, but they, every time they wanted to be Bev Francis gym, Bev Francis Powerhouse of the North. Mm -hmm. And so they, they would every they would get in new equipment like every two months and mm -hmm. every two months for me because i'm that that fitness guy who's you know that's all i breathe um it was like a new toy right mm -hmm. and so i think in a weird way and so it is from a business standpoint i think there's a lot going on there but i think in a weird way it's because one they don't care about community or necessarily push fostering you know the people who are coming to them read bodybuilding.com and teen nation and hopefully a lot of men's health and come in with their workout already done and they want to be left alone right mm -hmm. and that's who i think the big box gym is catering to and so they just don't you know they just don't they don't see a need to um develop trainers who are going to then foster like the newcomers because they're not i think too that there's a little when you do that in theory, you're aiding your, and you probably know more about the business of this side of this than me because I'm not as active in that right now. Mm -hmm. um, but you're probably aiding your retention because the people you already have feel like you're always going to get new equipment. You're not trying. You're not going to invite a new audience in. But that was never on some level. That was never your game plan. You're you're. Your only game plan for inviting a new audience in as a big box gym is January, February. Everyone wants to, everybody wants to lose weight. That's it. Right. What's 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 wild about that is, it to me it goes back to what we were talking about before. Who's the client? Yeah. And I think that they're like these big box gyms, just like the CrossFit gyms, run into the overextension of who they want the client to be, and so then their equipment, their offerings, their their environment are not aligned to one person. Right. Like, um, the, the, we work with a gold's gym. They're, they're, I'm very proud to support this client. They're a great client. They do a great job. When we started with them, they were about average for what a gold's gym personal training department would do in a month. They're not in a high income area. They're not in a high population density area. Hmm. They are now the top three 
revenue-producing gold gym personal training department in the country every month, hmm. which is awesome. And the owner of that gym goes out and buys the new equipment whenever it's coming down the pipe, hmm. right? And I never thought about it from the perspective of the ideal client for the business is the person who already has their training evolved. And so now they're coming in to, they, they're coming in because they can wear headphones. They don't have to talk to anybody. They know what their program is for the day. They might have a seam that goes up the butt of their pants that hmm. separates their butt cheeks. Right? Like that, that is the, that is the intended client. And I just wonder what, what would it be like for those kinds of big box gyms if they just leaned into that and they were like, we are for badass people who've been training for five to 10 years plus and want to maximize your training environment. So I think the answer to that question is very, very simple. It would be Bev Francis powerhouse. Because, right. And that, that gym leans into that and caters to that. And it works. It's arguably the most legendary gym. It's like 50 on, years old, right? right? It's still crushing. Yeah. So that, and that's the, and, and that's the, cause that is, I feel like on some level, just from a, from a, um, mental standpoint, people are always, we're always going to gravitate to, you know, the reality is, and this is not meant to come off in any which way, but I think to some extent, you know, I want to train around people who can push me versus, you know, like somebody who might not be there yet. Mm -hmm. Right. And we're always going to gravitate. Maybe it's okay. Like you said, to, for gyms to kind of specify. And maybe if, if that is, and again, I feel like we're theorizing a lot, yeah, of here, course. which is, fun right mm -hmm. it makes for good conversation um but i feel like um if the big box gym were to take that tactic yes one is going to make it a really really good experience for the big box gyms um those uh, equipment companies will sell more mm -hmm. awesome gear too um but then i guess the the trick is to find um that that right kind of group or that right box or create some kind of box that is ideally suited to the person who are not serving in that equation and who very often were not serving enough in fitness, which is, um, which is that, that kind of, I can like the ultra beginner who might not even want it or kind of wants it because they saw like a Superman push up post yesterday. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the, um, I think the ultra beginner, I think one of the things that we take for granted in fitness, especially, uh, somebody like myself for a long time, I started working out by just playing. Right, it was, I'm, I'm playing sports, so I'm going to run, so I'm in shape for my sports. I'm going to do push-ups so that I'm stronger for my sports. Um, oh, I'm going to get those those dumbbells that are just a bar with all the weights that you like mm. pin pin turn on the end. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like there's a there's a there's two tens, two fives, two two and a halves, or however many, and you can build your own dumbbell, unscrew the end, pull it off, change the weight, put the weight back on, that kind of stuff. That's where that's where my fitness experience started in my bedroom, right when I was like in middle school, high school, and so it's always been something that's a part of my life. I believe that for people for whom it's not been a part of their life, or for whom it's not a natural progression of something else that they love, we take for granted the the educational slope that there is, and the amount of overwhelm of walking into that gym knowing that you don't know what to do. And wanting to not look stupid, actually make progress, not get hurt, all of these different things. And I think that for the person you just described, that's where the high quality trainer comes in. I think, too, yes, I think there are two. And I think that's where 
it was interesting because I think that's where virtual that's where virtual fitness has has changed the game because it's allowed people from um i've worked with a couple virtual fitness apps over Mm -hmm. the last couple years and it's i was always interested in the in the clientele that i wound up training because of that i remember there was um i would train like a guy from chicago right or like a guy like people who couldn't normally connect with me because i think virtual fitness is one open door that helps people that can help in that way Mm -hmm. right the other is i think and I, I think this is the rise of, of Peloton and Hydro and Tonal is these devices that, yes, they cost a lot of money, um, but people can do them in the comfort of their own home. They're, whether those devices teach clean mechanics and really aid in properly getting people where we need them from a movement perspective is highly debatable, in my opinion. But um, but at the same time, I think those are, those are the two entry points that... Um, didn't exist a couple years ago but that are i don't want to say solving as or i don't want to say that they're solving the problem but they're providing us with a little bit of an idea of where the solution might be i think Mm -hmm. the power of you know the power of of virtual training plus say tonal and peloton where they're you know where we can we can analyze a little you know we can analyze a little bit more data from Mm -hmm. people um, I think where tonal, where where devices like that. There's another one in in Texas, I believe it's called OxyFit. Okay. Um, and that incorporates force plates. It's like, essentially imagine like tonal on steroids. Right. Um, the where that could take us is going to will help a lot of beginners. But the cost right now is is so prohibitive that that it's not it's not helping enough of those ultra beginners. Sure. When the DVD yeah. player first came out, it was cost yeah. prohibitive too. You yeah. know, it's, it's, it's one of these things where there, there's two things you said there that I think are important to touch on. One is that the cost of innovation is high. Yeah. And so when you're, if you're somebody listening to this and you're like, yeah, sure. But that's too expensive for most people. Yeah. It needs to be to mm. start because they don't have mass adoption of a marketplace. So they can't order parts at any kind of a, like it just, it has to be expensive to start. Uh, anti-lock brakes started off as a feature on Porsche racing cars. Hmm. You couldn't get them. Now you can't buy a car anywhere in the, in the Western hemisphere new that does not have anti-lock brakes in the car standard all the way down to your $16,000 entry level cars. I made that number up. I'm not a car head. Hmm. The other thing that you said, uh, was the idea of mixing and matching these modalities and that they're not perfect. Certainly not. What I believe trainers could could find some benefit in doing is to discontinue a fight with convenience for their client. So if someone is has a tonal in their house or they have a Peloton in their house and you're a trainer and you're telling them, don't use that. It sucks. It's not going to get you the results. I'm the guy. Well, you just told them that they're dumb for having made a decision to buy something that was convenient and that thousands of other people from around the world, maybe even millions, think is a good idea. Instead, lean into, that's great. How often do you use it? Great. Can I help you design the intensity with which you use it when you do? Yes. Awesome. This is such a huge help for me to help you. Now your client can feel like they made a good decision and you can help that actually be a good decision. And that that holds so true too because that goes beyond yeah like you can slam somebody for buying the twenty five dollar eight pound dumbbells at Target mm-hmm. right or you can help them use it that that was one of the interesting 
lessons, I think, for a lot, or it should have been one of the interesting lessons, I believe, of the pandemic is that whatever whatever load you have around the house, you can make work for a workout, mm-hmm. right? And yeah, train like a lot. Not everybody is going to be able to afford. You're right. That's where trainers, I think, can help bridge the gap because not everybody is going to be able to afford the high end tonal. If they mm-hmm. have it, yeah, don't tell them it's dumb. Um, by the same token, if somebody bought a hundred fifty dollar rower, and I am the I'm I'm the biggest snob with with fitness equipment too. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like commercial everything. If it's not commercial, it's not living in my gym. Um, just, just I want you to keep that thought for a second. I want people to know what you mean by commercial because there's there's residential versions of, for example, a treadmill. Yeah. And then there's a commercial version of the same treadmill. One is effectively overbuilt in such a way that they expect it to get 20,000 uses a week. The other one, they expect you to put your clothes on. Yeah. And that's what you're talking about when you say commercial. Yeah, and I and I get my I get my mileage from my commercial gear, but mm-hmm. I'm the biggest snob with that. But at the same time, if if somebody if, if all they can get is a hundred fifty dollar rower, it is my job as a trainer. The same way if I if you put me on an island with a hundred fifty dollar rower and it's just me and the rower, I better figure out how to get a workout in. Mm-hmm. I mean, aside from trying to swim off the island. Right. Um if um if if that's all my client has and I can't give them a good workout with that, then on some level, with that in their body weight, obviously, then on some level, I need to kind of improve as a trainer. I think we as kind of a training community can be less, um, and that's a, a real lesson that I've learned at Men's Health, to be honest. We need to be like less attacking of these things that we may not like and find ways to take advantage of them. I am not a big step count person, mm-hmm. but if I can use step count to motivate a client, I'm all for it. Let's get 15,000 steps today. I'm asking you this question because I think that you might actually challenge some of my beliefs. What are your thoughts on the current barrier to entry for education for the fitness professional? And let me, let me give some context. Um, if you're an esthetician or yeah, an esthetician, meaning you're going to help people, um, apply and remove makeup. You're going to, I'm not talking about people who get facials. So I might be using the wrong, a cosmetologist. That's the Mm -hmm. word I'm looking for. A cosmetologist. You're going to help people apply and remove makeup. You're going to help them with lotion selection, that, that kind of stuff. Uh, and for those of you out there who are cosmetologists and say, I just, Hmm. you know, minimize your career. That's not what I meant to do. I'm just speaking to something people seem to understand. Uh, you need a thousand hours before you can sit for the exam. So a thousand hours of guided, uh, internship, if you will, under the presence of somebody who's licensed before you can sit for the exam to become a licensed cosmetologist. To be a personal trainer who's allowed to train in a gym, you need a high school or GED diploma and in some states, a first aid certification. I'm curious your thoughts on whether that's a good thing that we have a low barrier and we can then bring a lot of people in and build their standard over time or if that's a part of our problem? It's a really hard question. You're good with the hard questions today. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I think it, on some level, right, I think it's, I think it's, I think our barrier to entry is a little bit low and I think that is why so many trainers or so many people on, on Instagram and 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 TikTok can call themselves trainers without having um, proper knowledge. Right? Mm-hmm. So I think it is it is a low it is a low barrier to entry. The only the only certification we've had for a long time that was um, that was that I think the only certification we have that is college degree is the CSCS, mm-hmm. and everything else is is very attainable. Um, 
but it, it's hard because it really depends on, I think, what you think the role of the trainer should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also depends on, like, it, I think it depends on the clientele to some extent, right? Because, sure. because if it is that beginner, it is okay. If it is that ultra beginner, it is okay for it to be just a little bit more about just bringing energy and getting them moving, just right? Be accountable. Any, anybody, I mean, the 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 trick with that though is 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 yeah be accountable i can be accountable to my training partner Mm -hmm. too um and that makes it hard for us i think as a business when the barrier to entry is so low um i think that's why trainer salaries too or trainer rates are so all over the place if you go to ohio um i had a i had a trainer in ohio who came up through a program we do at men's health where we kind of we help um young uh trainers from marginalized communities get certified um educated etc that's cool um he was but he was charging people 20 bucks right mm-hmm. versus you know i'm sure the you know i imagine your your rate my rate don saladino's is in the hundreds right mm-hmm. um it makes it really hard for there to be any kind of standard and it allows because the standard is so low it allows for a lot of kind of criticism and I feel like infighting within the profession and a lot of, um, a lot of hierarchy and, and confusion. I think, I think if the standard were higher, you would have much fewer trainers. You're still going to have people who call themselves trainers on the web, Mm -hmm. um, and who make a living doing that because the same way, you know, you have the same way you have, you know, like, um, I can't think of anything, but you know, the same way you have, have people who, who are always not certified just doing what they do. Well, you have, you have, you have people who are self-anointed health coaches Yeah, as compared to someone who may be like a physician assistant. So our, the problem with our profession right now is that the lines blur too much mm-hmm. because there are too many, um, because the barrier is so low, there are too many. And I mean, I'll just say that there are too many like garbage certifications out there. Mm-hmm. Right. I know trainers who have, you know, I think, I think, you know, the CSCS is obviously tops in the land, right? Um, the only test, as far as I can tell, that's that's relatively hard, right? Mm-hmm. I know trainers who have failed that, and they're like, oh, I'm just going to go take the NASM because I'm going to be a trainer anyway, right? right? Um, that's not how it is in, in say, the NBA, right? No. If, if, you're not, if, if you're not a baller, you know, but I guess it is to some extent. If you're not a baller, go play in Israel, right? Or mm-hmm. no offense to... To Israel's best game. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> if you're not a baller, go play in Israel, go play in Japan, go play in whatever, but you're not in the NBA, right? Mm-hmm. And we don't have that feeling as a profession. Um, and I think it's led to, it leads a lot of people to think, you know, that the profession is a little bit illegitimate and it, it, and we're not taken seriously. Yeah, the, yeah. the according to behavior on labor statistics, the average pay for a trainer is $19 an hour. Yeah. That's... Like so, and and it's the second highest turnover career to service and hospitality. So when I came to New York, when I came to New York, um, and started following trainers, especially actually when I got to Men's Health, I started working more mm-hmm. in there. A lot of the trainers who initially we worked with were also um, Wilhelmina models, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, and you know, I would talk to various trainers here and there and you got the impression they were trainers cause they were failed actors. Right. Mm-hmm. And they were just guys who look good, you right. know? Um, and it's a problem. Right. And I think for two, re- I think it is, a, I think the low barrier to entry is a problem for two reasons, because f- if we go to that newcomer and I feel like specifically that's who we're, we've kind of zoned in on in this conversation, mm-hmm. that ultra beginner, um, yes, they can get, you know, a real quick motivational dose from somebody who's not a properly equipped trainer. 
right? Mm-hmm. But if we're going to um, educate them and 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 get them to a point where they don't need a trainer because they understand what the heck they're doing, like I can, anybody can make them sweat, right? So the Wilhelmina model trainer can make them sweat, sure. right? But you could you would argue that what the CSCS trainer or um, or a properly equipped trainer, period, who's gone through the education and has you know, like you said, a thousand hours or something like that of experience, mm-hmm. is going to be able to do is going to. Um, instead of just making them sweat, they're going to make them sweat with the proper motions that will set that person up for life. And I think that's what's missing. I also think it's an art. It's an art. Like training is an art, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's about, it's about, I need to give you a good workout. I need to keep you interested and I need to stealthily hit all the things that you don't want to do. And we're going to do it in the workout. Um, <laughs> yes. And, and that is, um, there are uh, a, there's a, a, a handful. There are a handful of trainers who I've met in in New York, who can execute that at a high level, especially for the beginner. Mm-hmm. And so I think that too many beginners, because there is there there has been a point. I think there there was an influx of beginners because COVID placed just the whole COVID conversation placed health and wellness like super front and center for everybody. First thing on the news every mm-hmm. night, right? Um, if people still watch the news, I don't know if they do, but it stopped. but you know front and center like everywhere right was covid right so people a lot of people suddenly cared a little bit about their fitness and might have gotten like a virtual workout or as soon as kind of covid started to wrap up was like okay i'm gonna go i'm gonna go to the gym um and if their entry point was somebody who didn't properly equip them or who who made them sweat or made them sweat but didn't you know there was no there was nothing redeeming about that or they just hurt the next day then they left and and that's just i mean that's just not good right mm-hmm. um so i think in general a higher bar is better it's just it's just figuring out that higher bar because the one thing is you know just figuring out that higher bar i think is a hard part yeah look i mean at active life our bar i think is actually too high mm-hmm. to be the entry bar for a fitness professional yeah you know it's it's we would love for everybody to want to go through uh, 13 months and a thousand hours of education, application, and mentorship, but not everybody does, and not everybody needs to be the trainer who's going to bridge, you know, the gap of where fitness kind of leaves off today and healthcare starts. But I think that there's a lot of use in creating a standard of excellence that allows someone to come in, so that and like, let, let me give a, a much. I'm going to say this better. I believe that most of the people who want to hire a trainer want to hire first and foremost a person who they want to be more like. Hmm. And second, a person who they want to be more like who can teach them how to be like them through exercise. I think that what what we fail to do by keeping the bar so low in terms of allowing people into the industry is that we, we, the people, it's, it's the thing people do until they figure out what they want to do. And it's supposed to be a premium product. I don't want to pay a premium price for the person who is doing this thing until they can figure out what they want to do. I want to pay a premium price to somebody who's dedicated their life to doing this excellently. Well, and, and very similar thought that I have is it, it's 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 also it like trainers come in and they train like who do you really want to train right? Do you mm-hmm. want to train the beginner? Do you want to train soccer moths? Do you want to train athletes? There's virtue in kind of being a generalist and being being able to do all of that. Mm-hmm. But on some level, trainers can too often come in and say, "I just want to train people," right? And then I see them, you know, they like they want to, they kind of want to train football players, but they're going to train, you know, like it, it, it's. But each audience really requires like a, a slightly different mm-hmm. skill set, 
and slightly different goals. I every that's a, a very similar question. Very often, train, trainers fill up my DMs with, um, "Hey, I want to I want to help men's health, right? I want to you know mm-hmm. I want to help men's health. How do I get in contact? How do I you know I want to write for you guys, whatever." I'm like, "What's your specialty?" Is the first the the fir- after if I if I respond at all because it's a lot of them. My first question will be, "What's your specialty?" And the trainer who answers, "Oh, I can train. You know, I train everybody. Like whatever you need. Like I can train athletes. I can." I'm like, "So you can't really train anybody, mm-hmm. you know?" And I think what would be it would it would it would be great on some level, um, and you know, people are always gonna gonna have to. You know, it's like when we're in college, right? You, you choose a major, and it's not always the right major. That's why I have an accounting degree mm-hmm. um but you have to choose something and you have to go down a specific a path of specificity mm-hmm. right and it would be great if on some level from a training standpoint you know it's like okay i want to train athletes so let me go down a very specific road with that and focus on you know mastering rate of force development right mm-hmm. i want to train you know soccer mom so let me focus on or let me i want to train you know ultra beginners so let me focus a little bit more on the psych of motivation right mm-hmm. Um, it would be, I think that in the, would be an ideal way to somehow do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've re- I mean, all the, the bodies that of certification that we have, I feel like are, are not, you know, that's what we're talking about is probably 20 years down the road. I'd like to believe that we're, we're going to drive it forward. Yeah. That, um, uh, NASM has a place. ACE has a place. I say yeah. all of them have a place. Active life is going to drive it forward. And the reason why I say that is mm-hmm. because we are, we are going towards ultra specialization of helping the people in the canceled folder at the gym and the people who never walked in in the first place, but who are one step away right now from wanting to, like they, they want to, but they just don't think it's for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we develop the people to help those people. And I think that when we demonstrate the efficacy of not only the work, but the business of it, people will start to say, I want to do something like that, but for this. And, and at least that's, that's part of my hope. Um, Final question for you, and you just prompted it, was people write you all the time, I want to help men's health. In my mind, that's not what they're really asking most of the time. <laughs> they're saying, how do I get featured in men's health? Um, and I th- I'm curious. I believe um, those people would all be better off not asking, how do I help you? Because now they gave you a job. But by suggesting, hey – I've read the last 14 episodes of Men's Health looking for an article about this, and I didn't find one. So I wrote one, and I wanted to send it your way and see if you think it's a fit for the magazine or not. And if you read that article, I imagine that's, that's, that's a DM you're going to read. And then you'll decide if I want to read that article or not. And if you read the article and it's a fit, you might say, hey, there are parts of it that are a fit. We need to edit it for this, 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 and this, but I would love to talk to you about helping us do that. A, is that true? And B, for people who do genuinely want to contribute to what you're working on at Men's Health and the fitness department, what is the best way for them to do that so they're not causing you more work to find them? It's a really good question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch my trainer mode off mm-hmm. and switch in, shift into um, journalism mode. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the issues with, with, a lot of, with a lot of the DMs I get. So my, one of my first lessons – my first, my second internship out of, out of, I went to Syracuse for journalism. My second internship out of there. For journalism. Yeah. Excellent. Um, really cold. I mm-hmm. hated up there. Yeah. No, the, the place stinks, but oh. the, 
the school is good. <laughs> Education rocks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but my second internship was ESPN, ESPN the magazine, back when mm-hmm. they had um, back when they had a magazine. And um, I remember, you know, being super excited to be there. And so I started, you know, you get your whole the whole game, even when you're you're employed at a place, is is you pitch them, right? You pitch like different editors, mm-hmm. different ideas you might have. And I pitched three editor, three ideas to this one editor um, over email and. He sent me back an email and he was like, so, so my pet peeve is like, did you actually read the magazine? Um, and, and he's like, because it doesn't seem like you did. Cause we literally wrote about this three months ago. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I'm not going to read any of these. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of a really big lesson for me in terms of, I got to actually read the magazine, not just look at the pictures of Adrian Peterson. Um, you know, I looked at all, I was, I was very into the art of that magazine cause it was amazing. Right. Mm-hmm. But, um, I had to do more. Right. And I think one of the problems with a lot of the trainers I get, yeah, you're right. Because most of them come to me and I generally get a sense of, you know, I want to be featured. And then there's this other game being played now in 2023 where it's, I want to somehow be connected with that magazine once that way I can put at men's health mag something in my bio. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so <laughs> I, never, I never even considered that angle. Um, yeah. Well, Cause you're not, you're not like 21, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. And, and I'm also like a 22 year old trainer. Come on, like, like live life a little bit, train people. If you're 22, you're not, I, and this is not disrespectful. If you're a 22 year old trainer, um, it's not working for me. I need, I need more experience. I need you to have tried and failed with clients mm-hmm. and tried and failed with yourself. Right. That way you, then your position to give advice. Um, but I, yeah, I think I've gotten a couple where it is, you know, I, I think if somebody, um, we produce a lot of content, right. You know, across platforms, you know, between, you know, 60, 70, 80 pages of print magazine, um, probably 20, 30 stories going out online, not all fitness, but probably six or seven stories on fitness going out online every single day. Um, Damn, videos, a it's a lot. Yeah. Um, big operation. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on, t- I'm, I'm on top, but, there you no. go. um, but, stay uh, hungry. <laughs> is that, that's another <laughs> Arnold movie. Um, v- video content. So we produce a lot of content already. And if you're not, if you as a trainer are not paying attention to that content, then nine times out of 10, you're going to, you're going to pit what you're pitching me is stuff we've already done. Right. Mm-hmm. Which to be honest, all the great, all the greatest fitness exercises were taken centuries ago. All the greatest fitness stories have been written were written decades ago, right? How to do a push up? That's what people need to know. Mm-hmm. They don't need to know my new innovation on a single arm bench press, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but there are like new spins and new ways to teach things. So we're open to that. But I, I do very badly want to, if it seems like somebody has paid attention to my content, right, to the content that we're putting out at Men's Health then I will listen, right? I don't, they don't necessarily, because again, there's a lot of DMs and there's a lot of other emails flying back and forth. So I don't, I almost don't want to read like a full article because, mm-hmm. um, cause that's, you know, a thousand words of my life. I'm not going to get back. Right. Mm-hmm. But I do want people to pay attention to the magazine and pitch me ideas. Cause I, that if, if I do respond to the DMs, the DMs that I do respond to, if they kind of pass the test of um, of what's your specialty, then I do ask them, well, send me, you know, three ideas of things you want to write. Um, one of the issues for trainers or one of the challenges for trainers from a media standpoint is the three things they wind up suggesting they think are super interesting, right? Mm-hmm. And they fall into one of two categories. Either A, they're so super nerdy that like I'm into them, but I know my audience isn't, the, the men's health audience isn't going to... Um, 
be able to understand them, or B, they're so um, B they're, they're they're so basic that we've written about that 17 times, and I can tell that they just don't know the audience. Right, mm-hmm. the way you get familiar, and this is like a general media tip for anybody, any trainer who wants to write for any outlet. The way you learn an outlet, the way you learn an outlet's audience, whether it's men's health, women's health men's fitness, um, journal of strength and conditioning is you read the content. And if you haven't taken the time to read the content, you do not have my respect and, and you do not have my attention. Mm -hmm. Um, not to be cold about it, but just to be completely honest, you had a second half of that question. I don't know if I answered it. The second half, well, you answered it. The second half was how does somebody actually contribute? And what you're saying is, um, know what we need. Right. Yeah. The, the, the difference there is the person who is like, oh, men's health, they have a big reach. They would love what I have to say. That's about you. Yeah. Now, if sure. you if you haven't read the journal or read the the magazine, you can't know if they already have someone who they believe is a specialist in the thing that you think you're great at, who spent years developing a relationship with the director of fitness and the director of fitness is not going to believe that you're cold DM about an idea that you have where they found the guy is going to be better than the guys. Yeah. Right. It would be like if somebody sent you a DM right now and they were like, Hey, I want to write an article about getting people like what it would take to get in shape, to be a superhero in a movie. You're like, okay, well like, have you met Don? Exactly. Right. Yeah. Did you get someone in shape for a movie? What, is there, is there a unique and, – and you're not going to ask them all of these questions, but they need to be able to read those articles that Don's already written, the programs Don's already put out, and be able to say, hey, I saw Don's article about Wolverine and about um, – I always forget the name of the movie that Ryan Reynolds is in. Deadpool. Deadpool. And Deadpool. And what I, what I haven't seen in either of those was somebody who actually had to gain a ton of weight – and then lose it after the movie was over. I would love to write an article for you about that. That's something you might be interested in because they know what you've done and what you haven't done. Yeah, exactly. And and I think the the other half of that too is um yeah, I mean it's, it's just what you said is is great. I think the other half of it too though is um is they also have to they have to bring something, right? Like 9 times out of 10, I have an if if you want to be our sprint guy, mm-hmm. I'm, this is a 35 year old magazine. Well, we'll be 35 later this year. That's we have. I have an expert for that, right? Mm-hmm. So, what are you bringing different behind the scenes, right? I try to really inspect the science of what people are or what people are suggesting because maybe there is a new idea, right? Like, I mean, I don't know how much you pay attention to Weck method. Like, David mm-hmm. Weck has a I know all about David Weck. totally different way of viewing of viewing uh, of viewing sprinting and movement, mm-hmm. right? Um, this is a new idea, right? How we apply it to the magazine is 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 challenging sometimes. Um, it's hard to write about. Yeah, exactly. Like we we actually did a Weck method piece. Um, coiling core is his thing. Mm-hmm. Coiling is the thing. We did a Weck method piece. Um, I want to say four to five years ago. But it, it, you know, our, the reality is our reader doesn't. Our reader is not trying to break Usain Bolt's world record in the hundred, mm-hmm. right? Um, our reader is trying to get apps, right? Mm-hmm. So we. You know, so I actually I went down there, spent some time with them. We tweaked, you know, we we took those principles and we turned it into like a a really good ab workout, which seems a little bit weird, right? But it worked for our readers. No, I get it. You were like here to here to here exactly to here, and you're you're gonna get great obliques from doing this. And as a byproduct, you might actually have better gait and run better. But you're not selling them better gait and running better. You're selling them apps. Yeah. So it's like if you have a legitimately new idea, um, I will 
explore it, right? I'm also going to call your BS if it's if it's a legitimately new idea that makes no sense because you're a 24 year old trainer, mm-hmm. right? No, no, it's not. I don't hate the YouTube. Or today. you're 35 and instead of looking yeah. at things that exist, you're trying to invent things that have existed for a long time and you invented a lesser version of what's already out there. Exactly. And or, or you invented the same version, but you're you're calling it yours, and it's like, hey, I've been doing that half bench single arm press for like the last eight years. Thanks for paying attention. Right. right? Um, I think the thing I tell trainers the most though is uh, because again. We, we've been around and I make it my business to know to to know and study and follow and chase the very best in the business. Right. Like I'm I have a CSCS and I need my, you know, credit units, too. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm we're trying to be out there as much as we can. Right. But the thing I tell trainers that will help them the most, if you want to be in men's health, if you want to get if you want to be in men's health. Go be a good trainer first because when you're good, when you're Don Saladino, we're going to come find you and mm-hmm. we're just going to not. And it, again, nobody wants to hear this, right? Because they all want to put Men's Health Mag in their bio right now. Mm-hmm. But we'll come find you because your certs will line up because you were getting educated the whole time. You'll have this great client list. You will have this great approach to something that we need to solve. And so we'll come find you. Mm-hmm. But don't like, like, I don't need your help that much. And again, I don't mean to sound um, callous or, or, highfalutin but I, I just don't need your help that much right now you're speaking to substance man yeah that's it you're speaking to substance and i remember being the young trainer who was like i know you have a specialist in that but i'm better than your specialist in that and you just don't know me yet so i have to get on your radar to let you to let you know me and that never worked it never worked because it wasn't true yeah i didn't know what i didn't know and it took me time failing and going through this stuff and learning the hard lessons, getting punched in the face by reality to actually figure out how to bring real value to real people. There's And there's so many, like even for me too, right? There's so many things like I, the way I train people, train people as a 22 year, because I did, I remember being in, um, in college, mm-hmm. I got my first client when I was, when I was 20, right? It was like, Same. it was a, it was somebody like down the hall and down mm-hmm. the hall who was like, Hey, I want those abs. And so I was like, okay, my, my rate, my initial rate was 20 bucks, right? Mm-hmm. 20 bucks. Like that was, that was like two, that was two chicken. That was two fried chicken things at the cafeteria. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, the way I trained that person was not smart you know it was like let's go hard let's do all this stuff (laughs) um then i had i had a shoulder injury when i was i think 30 31 32 um tore my left labrum that's what most uh, and so i I had to learn about the shoulder hands like there's so many ways to learn right Mm -hmm. i think um i think the the idea that i feel like there's there's always been debate over whether the idea that um if if a trainer looks the part they know more right if they don't look the part they must be an idiot right Mm -hmm. Um, I don't necessarily think that's true, but I do think the train, the old, a lot of older trainers who looked apart, um, unless you're super lucky, you've been through injuries and you've had to learn things. I want to really work with people at men's health and just in general in my life. Right. Um, and that's one of the things I really appreciate about Don It's like, he's had stuff happen here and there. Um, and because of that, you get, he get, he, he has experience in, you know, being banged up, coming back from injury. Um, and he has a different understanding of joints. I think that's really, really important, not just the trainers, but the physical therapists, but now I'm just going off. So it's all good, man. Yeah. I mean, as you've been gracious with your time, with your information, you gave away what people needed to know, what people would want to know, where can people find you for more? Um, my Instagram is the best place, um, at Ebenezer Samuel 23. So it's long, but you know, we have everything there. And then the other big place, obviously men's We're putting out a ton of video, 
um, instructional video. So check that out. And then Men's Health uh, Muscle at Men's Health Muscle is our you uh, our YouTube channel. Um, so I'd love for you guys to check that out. And again, read that cover story on Arnold. Right. Best writing I've ever done. Ebenezer, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Active Live podcast. Please remember, give us a hand, rate it, review it wherever you listen to shows. We are on a mission to humanize the healthcare industry by professionalizing the fitness industry to empower the individual to live a life unlimited by the way that their body looks, feels, or performs. If you are inspired by that mission and want to jump on the wagon, find us anywhere. Active Life Professional on Instagram. Active Life RX on Instagram. Come to me personally at Dr. Sean Pestuch. We want to welcome you onto the train. We want you to be a part of the mission. We want to offer you the opportunity to pursue this right alongside us. We're inspired by your effort, and we hope to help you in your journey. Turn book.